There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder... Determining a person's level of competency to stand trial is an important step to any legal process. It makes sure that those who need help get it and those who are simply dangerous stay behind bars. At least, that's what it's supposed to do. On September 18th, 2009, a man fled the country after brutally killing his entire family. A man who, by all accounts, seemed like he needed the help of a mental health professional. But when he finally got it, they came back saying he wasn't sick, but simply playing the long con. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Mesic Domas, born in Haiti on July 2, 1976, grew up in a home wrought with poverty and violence. Raised by his mother and father, Masik was abandoned by his parents at the age of 10 when they left for a better life for the United States and, for one reason or another, decided to leave their son behind. Raised by his extended family, the formerly raised evangelical Christian started getting exposed to practices of Haitian voodoo, though, according to him, he retained his Christian beliefs. At the age of 19, Masik finally entered the United States, married a woman named Gerlon, and began creating a family with her. By 33, he was married, had five children, and was working as a well-respected and beloved chef at a local alehouse. While he seemed to excel in work, being hailed as the best of the best, things at home didn't seem to be going quite as smoothly. In January of 2009, Masik Domas, who was living in Collier County, Florida, was arrested for domestic battery against his wife of 12 years. According to Masik, he thought she was being unfaithful and had to pay. Eight months after the domestic issue, Masik took his suspicion, his worry, and his anger and took it up a couple hundred terrifying notches. On September 16, 2009, Guerlain Domas brought up the topic of divorce with her increasingly violent husband. Masik was furious and the fight got heated and at one point he screamed divorce me i'll fucking kill you the fight ended everyone went to sleep and masik continued to fume the next morning masik woke up and followed his wife to her 5 a.m shift at a nearby Publix to make sure she was really going to work and not meeting some other man when she saw him another fight ensued and masik's anger continued to grow Later that night, he went into work, but clocked out after just two hours, claiming he had a pounding headache. He would later tell authorities that his headache came from the bad spirits and voices telling him his wife was about to leave him. He couldn't have that. He couldn't lose her, especially to another man. So after leaving work, Masik went to a local supermarket, purchased a fillet knife, a roll of duct tape, and a pack of gum, and made his way back home. When he walked through the door, Gerlon didn't say a kind word to him and instead simply asked him to sign some immigration paper so she could leave him. That was enough to push him over the edge and in one fast motion, the chef grabbed his newly purchased knife, tied her up with a rope and duct taped her mouth shut. What happened next is still up for conjecture because when later asked about what went down inside their home after he subdued his wife, all Masik would tell investigators was... It's bad, it's criminal, 
and that he had the help from a visible spirit who guided him as the result of a hex placed upon him by either his mother-in-law or a co-worker. The next morning at around 7 a.m., Masik Domas packed up his belongings and drove to the Miami International Airport and purchased a one-way ticket to Port-au-Prince, Haiti. The following day, Guerlain's family, worried they had not heard from her since the 17th, called the police to file a missing persons report. At around 7 p.m. that night, they arrived at the Domas family home to check on her and the children, and to their shock, found what appeared to be blood seeping out from under a closet door under the stairs and the rugs pushed around to expose the tile flooring. It was clear just by looking at the scene that something horrible had happened to the Damas family. Deputies pried open the window only to find Girlon's body lying on the bathroom floor, face down in a pool of her own blood. Autopsies would show she suffered from blunt force trauma to her elbow and eye, as well as a stab wound to her shoulder and neck. On the second floor was the body of nine-year-old Massage Damas, one of their five children, who was lying face down on top of the mattress with stab wounds to his hand and circling the entirety of his neck. In another room were the remaining children, six-year-old Marvin, five-year-old Maven, three-year-old Megan, and one-year-old Morgan all lying in various spaces in the bedroom and all with sharp force injuries to their neck. According to one of the responding officers, it was the, quote, most horrific and violent event in the county's history. Confident Masick was responsible for the murders. An arrest warrant was issued on September 22nd, and on the 23rd, Masick was apprehended by the United States Marshal Service in Haiti, where he voluntarily confessed to the six murders claiming he only came to Haiti to say goodbye to his family because he, quote, knew what he did was wrong and that he didn't deserve to live. Still convinced it was bad spirits that made him take the lives of his entire family, Masik was ready for any and all punishment he had coming his way. In fact, he requested the death penalty once transferred back to Collier County. Now back on U.S. soil, the level of his competency was argued back and forth for quite some time. Delaying the trial as professionals and lawyers went back and forth about his hyper-religious ideations and refusal to cooperate with anyone involved in the justice process. As professionals came in to interview him, Masick's behavior seemed to only worsen. At one point, rejecting his legal name and demanding to be called COG, an acronym meaning Child of God. He refused to shower or eat for long periods of time, once going a full 30 days without bathing and making the other inmates around him physically ill because of his stench, refusing any and all deputies' orders, and had a number of disciplinary reports. And these antics didn't stop in prison. No, he continued his bizarre behavior in the courtroom, singing loudly over his attorneys, only stopping when the judge commanded it and continuing his outburst as the hearings came to an end. He had to be transported from jail secured to a wheelchair-like apparatus for the safety of everyone, and because of the fear he would harm himself or others, he had to be reevaluated yet again to determine his competency to stand trial. On March 19, 2014, he was found incompetent, with an order stating that, with the right treatment, there was a real likelihood his competency would be restored and the trial could continue. He was committed to the custody of the Department of Children and Families and admitted to a mental health treatment facility in April of 2014. 
A few months later, in October of 2014, his competency was found to have been restored, and the facility records noted that his extreme aggression, manipulation, and deceitfulness with the staff showed that he was simply putting on an act to get what he wanted out of the trial. That Masick was, quote, grandiose, preoccupied with his own self-worth, entitled and wants to be admired by others, lacks empathy, and arrogant, and has the ability to engage in appropriate behavior, and his refusal to do so at times is a volitional choice and not a symptom of mental illness. The case proceeded, Masick kept himself under control, and on June 23, 2017, he abruptly stood up in court and stated that he wanted to discharge his attorneys, represent himself, and plead guilty to the charges against him. He did so in September of 2017 and was given six concurrent death sentences. He would later write a note to the presiding judge saying, Go ahead, continue your work. May my blood be upon your shoulders. And signed, C.O.G. His sentence was affirmed in January of 2019. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on September 19th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.